Hi, welcome to Gardner Webb University Radio on WGWG.org. This is Cinema Scene, a place you can find out uh, all that you need to know about movies. And if, if you if you can't find out what you need to know, well then, dang it, go to the internet. I'm Noel T. Manning II. That is Adam Long, and we're chatting cinema right here on Cinema Scene. Hey, buddy. Hey, long time no chat. Yeah, man, been a busy one. Uh, glad uh, glad to have you back on the show, and glad we're back uh, doing this thing together for a bit. And uh, me too, me too. Appreciate yeah, it, man. Just, we tried, we tried, and we tried. I mean, you got uh, you got stranded in Florida one week, and then my work schedule kept changing, and it's just uh, if it wasn't my end, it was your end. We just couldn't get this thing together, unfortunately, but. Uh, we rebelled against against the forces of nature, and uh, I think we may be back on track. Ho- hopefully, I hope so too, man. I hope so too, and uh, we also appreciate uh, Michael Peterson, who has uh, stepped in, a Gardner Webb College, uh, Gardner Webb University college student, who has uh, stepped in and uh, and done some of these shows as well. And uh, we're going to have him as uh, uh, sharing some of, some other things on Cinema Scene. We're going to have a special Cinema Scene this week, and have him on for the second half of the show. So. Uh, actually, we're going to have an hour-long show this week, mm-hmm. so uh, we appreciate him uh, coming in and uh, and talking movies as well. One of my former college students. Well, man, um, let's uh, let's talk box office uh, last week, and then we'll look ahead to what's opening. This is uh, we're, we're kind of in that um, interesting uh, dead zone time. Um, there's not a whole lot of uh, just stuff that kind of blows you away. I don't think right now. Uh, coming out at the box office now once uh, we dive into the latter part of april and then may uh we're going to start seeing a heck of a whole lot more and uh-huh. um, just to let people know um let me see if i can pull up the uh, release schedule so they'll know what i'm talking about um well actually april 3rd um is really kind of the the first hint of uh, of some things to chat about furious 7 uh, is opening up on uh, April third, and it's. Uh, I think this has got to be the last installment of this, wouldn't you, Alan? Adam? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably so. Uh, although, you know, when they originally announced this, they said they were going to. They had. They they were planning on doing a seven and an eight uh, at the time that they announced production on number seven. Now, I don't know if Paul Walker's passing will have changed that trajectory for the series, but I do know they had plans for an eighth one when they went into production on number seven before everything that transpired did transpire so so i don't know we'll just have to wait and see i guess yeah and you know when you look at this honestly um five six and seven kind of stand alone in in many ways as kind of their their own franchise um it it kind of relaunched itself and uh and really became uh you know became a much better better franchise because of the last Mm -hmm. three and so it found a way to do that. Uh, it's it's tough for a film uh, or a film franchise to do that this kind of late in the game, but they uh, they found a way to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, coming up the following uh, weekend, you know, still not a whole lot to talk about unless you want to talk about Paul Blart and Mall Cop Two. Uh, not expecting a ton from that uh, in in mid April. Um, there is a Gary Oldman film called Child Forty Four uh, that will be coming out, also with starring Tom Hardy in april um mid-april and then uh let's see if we uh move it forward to may that's when we start talking about mad max we start talking about uh a few other things like the avengers age of ultron uh so we'll we'll see but uh but now's a good time to maybe check out some things uh, on uh, netflix or uh, amazon prime or some things maybe you missed 
uh, uh-huh. over the course of the next few weeks. But uh, let's talk box office uh, last weekend. We had uh, a Disney film, uh, well, uh, uh, re, uh, reimagining live-action Disney film at the top with Cinderella. Uh, 20, uh, let's see, Cinderella, budget of $95 million. It uh, brought in $67 million at the box office. Run all night, Liam Neeson's uh, film, another action film. And at number two, Kingsman, The Secret Service, a film that couldn't quite decide if it wanted to be uh, action or comedy. At number three, Focus, uh, in at number four last week. It's been out for uh, three weeks. And Chappie uh, dropped from number one down to number five last week. And so uh, let's get your thoughts uh, on, uh, let's start uh, with Chappie and, uh, and back our way back up. Well, uh, you know, Chappie's getting a lot of bad reviews and bad word of mouth. And I just didn't think it was quite the disaster that everybody would have you believe Um you know, it's Neil Bloomkamp, the director of Elysium and the Oscar-nominated District 9. Uh, I think the movie has some interesting ideas at play. Um, unfortunately, it does kind of uh, falter a little bit uh, with some of, it, some of its characters. I think the casting hurts it a little bit with the, uh, there are these, ga- uh, you know, the, the, the plot of the film is that Chappie is a robot who has been given uh, self-awareness, I guess you, 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 should, you could say, for lack of a better terminology, and he's 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 self-aware, and uh, he has the uh, the the thing that makes humans unique. They figured out a way to, to basically bottle that and put it in a robot. And uh, of course, his body is failing. He's he's he's, he's got uh, damage all over the place. He's looking for a new body to uh, so that he can uh, continue to live on and and have these human emotions as well. But he's basically taught um, uh, basically social skills by these gangsters types who are drug dealers and such and so on. And the casting of these uh, these characters is, is a little bit lackluster for me. I think there were some pop stars in Sweden or something that they used to cast these parts, and they just didn't quite, it didn't quite work for me. Um, the movie gets a little too cutesy from time to time as well, but, uh, you know, it, it has its moments. Uh, I did enjoy some of the... Uh, the the effects are really uh, are, are good as you would expect in a uh, a Neil Bloomkamp film and it does have some interesting ideas but uh, it's it's you know I'm going to give it about a a, a C plus it it just has um it has some uh, some some troubles but not the not the terrible film that you might be led to believe judging by what people are saying okay good deal man um, yeah yeah it's I really loved um, I loved District Nine. I thought it it offered just uh, something mm-hmm. really unique, something original. Uh, and Elysium, I appreciated a lot of aspects of Elysium as well. Uh, you know, he still he, he wants to continue to stay in in this sci-fi camp, and yeah. um, which which there's no problem with that at all. But he's bouncing back and forth, kind of between the the big budget. Elysium was definitely a big budget film, and you had some A-listers. Starring in that, and then you uh, you go back to uh, to the roots, so to speak, with uh, with Chappie, and uh, sure you got Hugh Jackman, but he's really about the only one that's a that's a money star connected to this film. And uh, uh, you know the the movie itself, while it's made fifty seven point nine million um, worldwide and made its money back, uh, it's really not holding up to what I think uh, some of the expectations were. But uh, you said you gave it a C plus. Yeah. 
Okay. Okay. Well, you know that, that's you know that's uh, definitely worth watching when you're talking about a C plus, not an A or a B, but uh, C plus is just a bit better than average. Uh, Chappie, uh, number five at the box office last weekend. Focus, uh, you know, Will Smith uh, back on uh, the big screen again. And uh, it's been a while since we've seen him uh, in something quite like this. Uh, let's get your thoughts on Focus. Well, Focus is, uh, you know, one of the better things that I think he's done, especially uh, when one considers uh, the debacle that After Earth was. And I'm sure you remember that being uh, the disaster that it was. We you know, all, I, I, you know, honestly, I, I saw After Earth, and it, to me it was not as bad as uh, – I'm, I'm kind of feeling what you're feeling with uh, with Chappie. Right. I, didn't, I didn't think it was as bad as everybody thought. Now, it wasn't great, but it was a, it was an interesting film about a father and a son and uh, a son having to become a man. And so uh, acting was, was, was pretty, pretty horrible, but uh, the story I thought was interesting and the theme of the story I thought was very interesting. Yeah, I mean, uh, when I say disaster, I meant uh, probably from box office expectations. It's not the worst film I've ever seen either. So, uh, yeah, I'm kind of kind of with you there. But uh, uh, at any rate, uh, Focus is a much better film than After Earth. Uh, but having said that, it's still not a solid home run. It's directed by John Rico and uh, Glenn Ficarra, whose last two films are Crazy Stupid Love and I Love You, Philip Morris. Don't know if you saw either one yep, of those, I but sure I did. thought both of those were charming and yep. funny and quirky, and uh, you know, with a little dramatic flair thrown in for good measure. I enjoyed those, and um, so they seem to be a good choice for this material. Uh, but in the movie, uh, Will Smith is Nicky. He's a con artist. He's been at this game oh, probably a little bit longer than he should have, and he makes a decision to let a, a novice named Jess join in the, on the fun. He's uh, I uh, Margot Robbie which uh, you will certainly remember, I'm sure, Margot Robbie from um, uh, Wolf of Wall Street. She was certainly easy on the eyes there, and oh, yes. she is here as well. Okay. So anyway, uh, he uh, kind of teaches the ropes, lets her go, and then he runs into her three years after they have parted ways when he's attempting to make his uh, a late, uh, another score with a race car driver who's looking to get ahead of his competition. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's kind of one of these movies where they – they kind of play uh, tricks against each other and try to outsmart the other one, and uh, kind of reminds you of "Now You See Me, Now You" or "Now You See, Now You Don't." Rather, the 2013 film, you know, about the rivaling magicians right, or whatever. Right. You you would probably, if you enjoyed that, you'll probably enjoy this as well. Uh, you know, it's 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 well photographed, um, and uh, Gerald McCraney is in it uh, in an interesting. Supporting role, Gerald McCraney from TV, uh, was he Simon and Simon, I believe it was, yep, back in the yep, day. Yep. So anyway, it's, you know, it, it's not the best Will Smith film anybody will have seen, but, uh, you know, there's there's enough uh, diversions there uh, with the plots and a few twists and turns that might catch you by surprise. So again, it's another, uh, I mean, in fact, in this case, I'll give it a little bit of a better rating, B-. minus. Okay, all right, B- minus for Focus uh, in theaters now, and... Uh, Mentioned other films uh, in the top five. Uh, we've got The Kingsman, Run All Night, and Cinderella. Uh, of those, you want to chat about any of those as well? Yeah, we, well, I didn't see Kingsman. I, I, uh, that's a blind spot for me. I haven't seen Kingsman, but I did see uh, Cinderella and Run All Night. I, I missed that one as well, but Cinderella did see that one. Um, and it is actually much better than one would 
be led to believe. I guess your first reaction might be when, and my no mine was when I heard they were doing a Cinderella. It was kind of like, uh, well, what, do we really need another stab at uh, Cinderella? Uh, really? And uh, the next question would be why. Right. But you know, it's they've done so many. They've tried to modernize this thing with Ever After and all of that stuff, you know, that they've done in years past. But this is a straightforward retelling of the Cinderella story. They actually borrow both from the 1697 uh, original story, Cinderellon, and the 1950s version. Uh, although it's a Disney film, so you know they're not going to go quite as dark as the, 19, as the 1697 film uh, uh, original story source did, uh, meant to say. Because in that one, uh, the stepsisters get their eyes gouged out by uh, crows, and uh, they cut their toes off so their feet will fit the actual slippers. Yeah, that's so that would don't be get the any uh, of that in this film. Yeah, yeah, Adam, that would be the Tim Burton version if we uh, yeah, had a Tim Burton version of Cinderella. You might be right about that. But <laughs> this, is, this is Disney, and it's directed by Kenneth Branagh. So, uh, uh, but you know, even uh, even though they don't go that 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 route, it's still a good movie. Um, it's interesting. Um, it has some. Uh, uh, it's very well photographed, uh, and uh, it's it, it's you know there's not much you can say about the Cinderella story that ever that no you know because everybody knows it. There's no point in regurgitating it right. really. Right. Right. But uh, it's one of the better films that Kenneth Branagh has been involved with here lately. You know, back in the '90s, he was really craft, turning out some interesting work with his adaptation. His, star-studded adaptation of Hamlet, if you remember, which had, you know, like Jack Lemmon and Robin Williams and Billy Crystal, and yep. I don't know, the casting was it was full of stunt casting, but it was it was an interesting experiment. And then he did Dead Again. Uh, you know, those were good Ken Branagh films, and then he kind of went to Hollywood, so to speak, and he uh, did the Tom Clancy, Jack Ryan film last year, and then Thor, and I wasn't a big fan of either one of those. Um, they weren't terrible, but this is a much better work from Ken Branagh that we're, and he's not in the film, which he was in those films, or, or he wasn't in Thor, but he was in the last one, the Jack Ryan film. Right. So, right. Anyway, uh, you know, it's it's a solid B plus. You know, not the not the most original thing you're ever going to see, and it's kind of predictable. All the story beats, we know them well, but you know, hey, you could do worse than Cinderella. Yeah, I've I've always liked Branagh, and he is a uh, an amazing director, uh, amazing talent, uh, you know, great mm-hmm. actor as well. And so, uh, you know, I heard he was pulling this film uh, to the big screen. I'm like, whoa, okay, that that feels like such a departure, uh, and it, and it really is. Um, sure, it's got a period feel, so he's used to doing period uh, type films, but uh, but to take on this kind of classic, you know, Disney. Uh, Disney story that we have heard as a Disney story for years, mm-hmm. uh, and bring that uh, bring that to a live action version. I was kind of surprised that uh, that he was going to be taking that on. Um, but we have, you know, as you said, in recent years, these kind of fairy tales come to life have really become quite uh, popular on the big screen. Uh, Ella Enchanted a few years ago um, was one that I thought was incredibly well done, and then uh, we saw Amy Adams with Enchanted uh, yeah. a few years ago as well. And so you know, seeing these, these stories or these types of stories um, become, you know, change from the animation to live action, they've worked. You know, they found a way to work. And so uh, I, I think it's great that, uh, that, that uh, Branagh took this on. And, um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I, what I do appreciate with him is he's not afraid to take on things that, 
that are a bit different. And, um, you know, he uh, he's known for doing Shakespeare, and he's always been uh, impressive in that kind of thing. You mentioned Dead Again, one of my favorite movies uh, of that year of 1991, and, uh, and still a favorite movie of mine. Um, you know, it was one of those that, uh, that had a very limited release when it first uh, first came out, and um, I think 450 theaters, and at, at its largest was only about 940, 950 theaters, so never got a huge, huge wide release. But uh, his Henry V and, and his Much Ado About Nothing, which was Shakespeare, uh, and Hamlet, as you mentioned, all were uh, were, were quite impressive. Uh, and I thought uh, is Mary Shelley's, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, Frankenstein, I'll get it out, um, yeah. was was an interesting take on that, uh, on that as well. Forgot about that. Yeah. Very, very good. Um, but, I enjoyed that. But, uh, but I did enjoy Thor, though. I enjoyed him. I, I could see a little bit of the, uh, the, the Shakespeare love going, going into Thor uh, with him taking on a superhero. So with Branagh, he's not afraid to, to bounce, you know, between uh, genres. And uh, the only thing that well, I was going to say the only thing we really haven't seen him do is an outright comedy, but Much Ado About Nothing was an outright comedy, uh, although told through uh, through Shakespeare. But, yeah, he's a talent. He really is. And, uh, you know, he had a long-time, uh, a long-time relationship with Emma Thompson. And, uh, you know, when, when they worked together, as you saw them work together on Dead Again and also uh, Much Ado About Nothing, uh, you could see a chemistry there. You know, you could really mm-hmm. see a chemistry there. Um so uh, yeah, Cinderella uh, in theaters now. Another uh, another film that uh, did did pretty decently at the box office. Almost sixty eight million uh, for the opening weekend. Uh, you know, not too shabby for uh, mid March. Yeah. Not not too shabby at all. Uh, well, yeah, and I want to talk about another new release. This one's not in wide release, but it's worth uh, mentioning. Uh, Magnolia Pictures just put this one out. Came out uh, March thirteenth. Don't know if you've heard about it. You may have actually seen it. I don't know because you occasionally get to screen these things early. Uh, the Wrecking Crew. Are you familiar with this? Or? Uh, no, have not seen that yet. Uh, really terrific film. Uh, I did get to see it several years ago because a friend of mine, and this film has been sitting on the shelf, by the way, about five or six years. The reason is that they have uh, the, the music rights were in limbo. They could not, literally could not afford to pay for the rights to the songs that are in the film, and I'll explain why they were so expensive here in a moment. It deals with the film subject material. But I saw this film about six years ago. It was really, uh, well, about three years ago I saw it. It was blown away by it because a friend of mine was actually a researcher on the film. Uh, basically what it is, if you remember Standing in the Shadows of Motown in the early 2000s, you know, was such a big hit, and it uh, spotlighted all those guys that, were the backing musicians on all those Motown records. You remember that one, oh, I'm yes. sure. Yep, I sure do. Uh, well, this is the same thing, except this is about the pop songs of the 60s that came out of L.A. And it's called, like I said, The Wrecking Crew, and because those session musicians that played backup on all of those songs that we know so well from the, you know, probably from starting in the late 50s and going all the way through the early 70s, before the singer-songwriter phase really took hold, but it's a very fascinating film. Uh, the film has been sitting on the shelf so long that some of the musicians featured in the film have already passed on, which is kind of sad. Uh, but the, the, some of the songs that these guys played on were was stuff like the uh, Sonny and Cher records, uh, The Beat Goes On, and uh, you know, uh, I Got You Babe, and the song Dizzy by Tommy Rowe, and all the Frank Sinatra songs like Strangers in the Night, and something stupid 
that Frank did with his daughter, the duet to, you know, with his daughter there. Right. So those and the monkeys, the birds, the Beach Boys, Nat King Cole, these guys played the uh, backup for all of all of these uh, songs, uh, these records and albums. And uh, the, the film is produced and directed by Danny Tedesco, who's the son of the legendary uh, guitarist Tommy Tedesco, who's one of the the the, uh, the uh, actual guitarists. Glenn Campbell was one of the members of the Wrecking Crew before he actually became a, a, a hit um, maker in his own right. So he's featured in the film too. But he he actually and they went on to play on his records later on once he became a hit in his a hit maker in his own right. Leon Russell was another member of the Wrecking Crew and I believe David Gates of Bread also. So anyway, it's just a fascinating film. If you can find it uh, somewhere out there online or in a theater, go see the Wrecking Crew. Uh, because you'll you'll be as um, intrigued by it as I am if you have any interest in pop music. Excellent, excellent. Appreciate you sharing that. Uh, anytime we can get uh, a nugget of, uh, of especially these films that are flying under the radar, uh, those are always yeah. some great things. Uh, great things to share. Uh, you know, one of the things that uh, you know that we're going to probably be having to be talking about more in the uh, in the near future is. Uh, Movies that are not hitting the big screen, but that are making their debut through studios like uh, like Amazon uh, and Netflix and, and now even Hulu. Uh, you know, we're starting to see some things produced that's got some uh, got some tank in it, and I, mm-hmm. I'm I'm really uh, impressed with some of the things that I'm hearing uh, that, that are going to be happening through these studios. Uh, TV shows are already happening. Um, that have that have maybe either been canceled or they said, okay, we're going to leave this traditional format uh, of TV and let's take it to a, to another avenue and let's go right to the people. Um, you know, there was a the newest example. This is not a film, but it's it's definitely worthy of talking about because we're talking about distribution models being changed. Um, TV show called Community that uh, that kind of lost its audience. It still had this cult following, but uh, but lost the massive audience. And uh, so when it was uh, was canceled by NBC, it was picked up by Yahoo Studios, and they have uh, basically uh, you know taken it on, and they're going to com- you know complete the season, uh, another season, of, another final season of this TV show. So we're seeing these uh, interesting distribution platforms that uh, are not typically known as creating content. Now they're creating original content. Uh, a lot of um, you know, right now, though, the big thing is superheroes and the superhero genre. We've talked about that. Uh, we're starting to see those kind of things pop up on Netflix. Uh, Daredevil's going to have an, a new gritty look, uh, and that's being launched next month. Um, and they're also going to be doing quite a few others, and that's Netflix. So uh, it's just interesting to see these uh, these platforms that were never intended to to create studios out of this, but because of the money they had, they're now able to do these studios and, and create their own content. So it's just something to keep our eyes on because uh, we may be seeing some pretty decent films uh, mm-hmm. coming out of this as well um, because of the uh, the things they can do story-wise. It's, uh, it's, just, it's just quite unique. Uh, you know, we're starting to... Uh, many have said we're in kind of the golden, the, the new golden age of television now, and I will agree with that when I start looking at the types of content that's being created uh, for some TV. Uh, you know, I'm not talking about your network TV. I think your network TV mm-hmm. is still a little behind, but um, your, your, some of your cable shows, um, I mean, there's some incredible storylines 
that uh, very realistic storylines that are they are holding uh, some of the best stuff that's ever ever been created on TV, and that's uh, that's a, a tough thing to say. There's a lot more competition, but uh, because of things like Netflix and Amazon Prime, people are able to binge watch these shows and catch up, and uh, all of a sudden they've got a whole new fan base, and uh, I think that. Uh, you know, TV companies are going to have to start taking notice of this and start realizing that we've got to offer, they've got to offer closure uh, for TV shows instead of saying, well, okay, well, you know, we're one season and sure we didn't wrap up anything, but we're just going to cancel it. No, nah, I mean, spend the money, write some type of two-hour finale and wrap things up because once you've got closure, you're going to have more and more people that will be willing to either buy it on DVD, Blu-ray, or to go and watch it on these on these other platforms. Um, spent some time this morning talking to uh, Jeff Powell here at WGWG about that very same thing. And, and he said, you know, uh, there are certain shows that he's just refusing to watch on TV now because he knows they're not going to end. He knows that they're going to be canceled and you're going to be left hanging. I'm the same way. But yet there are other shows that you can see a lot of depth, uh, a lot of work, um, a, a lot of planning on storyline and uh there's some of those out there that are well worth watching Uh, i think bates motel has done a great job with that of taking a a story that alfred hitchcock brought to the big screen and you know decades later going back to the beginning and and showing how norman bates became norman bates and introducing a whole new audience to it i've talked to college students who they don't have this uh, this background of, of appreciation of psycho and the psycho story and they're seeing it from from the beginning, from their own eyes, and once I tell them about it, they're like, oh, okay, and so then they go watch how it truly ends, and so it's it's wonderful how TV's able to make that happen. Um, another network did that with uh, with Hannibal, um, taking that uh, that Hannibal Lecter story, and so it's just an interesting time on TV, and uh, I think it's an also an interesting time on uh, distribution platforms and what that means for the audiences. Uh, that are out there, uh, no matter which way you digest um, your uh, your films and your TV. Yeah, yeah. There's it's it's uh, the what what Spielberg predicted uh, is is looks like it may be coming to pass. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And what do you think about the fact that uh, American Sniper uh, turned out to be the biggest grossing film of 2014? Yeah, it's amazing. Out of all the big box box office bonanzas that we saw that turned out to be the biggest grocer yeah now now of course only one week of that uh that that money take was uh was in the year 2014 but still right right uh the movies released in 2014 that that's incredibly fascinating uh for a film that was released that eight and that late in 2014 but didn't get its wide release until uh january and so uh yeah absolutely incredible total gross uh, domestically Three hundred forty-one point three million dollars uh, on a sixty million dollar budget and uh, worldwide gross of five hundred seventeen point five million. That's phenomenal. Um, you know, Eastwood's biggest uh, biggest film uh, to date as far as money's concerned, and uh, you know, quite impressive. Uh, and 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 probably, you know, you talk about Oscar contenders. You know, I have to look at that as far as money making. That that's got to be on. Uh, very high on that list as far as uh, Oscar contender films or Oscar nominated films mm-hmm. um, with that kind of money. That's that's pretty pretty impressive. And it was one of those films, Adam, that got it happened through word of mouth. It happened happened through um, really some great marketing efforts. 
but uh, it was a combination of word of mouth and critics' word of mouth as well. So it, it had a, uh, it kind of it was the perfect storm, so to speak. Right. Yeah. It's uh, it it was it was just fascinating for to me, you know, that uh, film that's so character driven like that instead of all the special effects extravaganzas that we're used to seeing. That turned out to be the one that made so much money. You know, yeah. it's kind of kind of interesting. Yeah, it really is, and it you know ended up uh, being nominated for six Oscars. Uh, it, it did win, uh, win win one out of those Oscars. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I was uh, I was impressed by that and surprised. I, I really uh, had no clue it was going to make that kind of money. Um, I mean, I expected it. To, honestly, I, I probably thought like okay, a budget of uh, sixty million uh, being released this time of year, maybe a hundred and fifty million. Um, is kind of what I thought might happen, uh, maybe two hundred, but I sure didn't expect uh, you know three forty one point eight three hundred forty two million. I sure did not mm-hmm. anticipate that. That was a that was a surprise for me. Um, and and you and I both have been following movies for quite a long time, and so that it's nice to be surprised. It's nice to still be surprised on that things. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Well, man, we are uh, about out of time. Any final thoughts or final comments, uh, things you want to uh, let people know about movie-related? Um, not that I'm aware of. I think we pretty much covered, uh, we brought uh, brought into focus uh, all of our latest, the latest releases and our opinions on them, I believe. So, right. yeah, I think we're, we're good on that. Good deal. Well, Adam, we appreciate it. Good talking to you, and we look forward to talking to you next week right here on yeah, Cinema Scene. Yeah, looking forward to it, too, and we'll, like I said, hopefully get back into a groove here and and uh, I've missed, missed hanging out. Yep, I have too, buddy. This is Cinema Scene on WGWG.org, Gardner-Webb University Radio. Until next time, that is a wrap.